Good Company is a production of iHeartRadio. I think probably the biggest flaw for what would be a short-term leader would be to think you have the answers to everything. That human interaction by diverse groups of people is where innovation is born. Hi, I'm Michael Casson. Welcome to Good Company, where I'll explore how marketing, media, entertainment, and tech are intersecting, transforming our lives and the way we do business at a breakneck speed. I'll be joined by some of the greatest business minds and strongest leaders who will share how they've built companies from the ground up or transformed them from the inside out. My bet is you'll pick up a lesson or two along the way. It's all good. It's hard for me to figure a way to welcome my guest on Good Company today without getting too carried away. For more years than I want to count, I have considered Lindy Acarino to be an extraordinarily good friend, kind of like my sister, my younger sister, let's be clear. We've traveled around the world, both literally and figuratively, as colleagues, but most importantly as friends. Lindy Acarino, the chairman of Global Advertising and Partnerships at NBC Universal. Welcome and thank you. Well, thank you very much, Michael, my friend, and hopefully soon to be travel partner again. So I'm thrilled to be here and I will be the first person on your dance card when we get the green light to do that. Well, you, you know that and you know my fantasy, whilst it lived on a different network at one time, you know my fantasy is to do advertising dancing with the stars so, Ginger, if you're ready, I'm ready to be Fred. We can do this. Hey, listen, I'm ready to go. I don't know how recently you've seen my dance moves, but they're pretty good. Linda, we're at such an interesting time in our world, and our life, and I don't think that I'm overstating what I'm about to say. You have become the leader, in my opinion, humbly, in our industry for kind of showing us where the puck is going and being there first. Most recently, the the 121 day that you hosted back in March said so much about innovation, said so much about understanding the intricacies of bringing data and all of the elements that you can from the vast array of NBC Universal and Comcast and bringing it all together You did the impossible and you did it the way you always do it with clarity and purpose. Can you talk a little bit about the impetus behind that and and what the drivers were for the effort that you led and, as I say, announced to the world on 121? Well, thank you. And as usual, Michael, you open up with an action-packed kind of sort of positioned as one question with many, many (laughs) components in there. So I'll try to answer it. And thank you for your gracious comments about leading the industry and certainly the Gretzky comment about skating to where the puck is going. As a hockey mom, I uh, have a lot of affection for that comment, but actually I consider myself a representative of the advertising industry, but solely in a consumer advocacy position. So if you're an advocate of the consumer, you want to protect everything about their experience. 
And when you think about the state of the macro ecosystem today, what still largely drives the ad-supported ecosystem is a linear experience that really does not reflect in any way, shape, or form not only consumer behavior, but actually it doesn't reflect an experience that they would ever choose on their own, and it had to get better. So content and technology have always worked together, but not like the need for it ever before, because the industry had become, I will say, until 121 kind of gave us all permission to look at the intersection of the marketplace. But people used to say, you know, look over to the left, that's a tech company, look over to the right, that's a media and a content company. But the reality is, is that the consumer experiences media where content and technology are one and the same. They want as much content as possible and they want it as easy as possible. So they want it all in one place. And 121 really demonstrated a a unique position that Comcast, NBC, and Sky live in at the intersection of media and technology. And we wouldn't be able, NBC Universal wouldn't be able to be as good as Uh, We'd like to believe we are in delivering the most content that we make to consumers without the help of our partners. Absolutely. And being a company that's so dedicated on three things, right? Three simple ideas. We're rallying and coalescing all of the industry and our partners around broadband, aggregation, and streaming. And we need help to do that. And we were excited to bring our carefully chosen partners to the stage with us, whether it was Twitter or the trade desk and Instagram to help us enhance that consumer experience. So Linda, I want to give you a resounding compliment, whether it was back to you bringing the entire industry together with all your competitors at the Four Seasons, or whether it was in Studio 8A when you had one of those early innovation days and you brought people from another network in to talk about what they were successful with. Nobody's ever done that, Linda. We've always been in a world where, you know, kind of dog-eat-dog, you could be friends after the presentations, but the dog-eat-dog competition of our business as you're never going to shine a light on your competitor unless it's to say mine's bigger or mine's better. You did it differently. And no one's ever done that. You've always been there to either accept the invitation or create the platform for that coalescing of competitors. Because if you look at the world this way, we're all kind of in the same soup? Well, it's a really interesting question and really a what I believe is a quite illogical approach to the marketplace if you're so precious about your own capabilities and your own assets that you don't want to either A, share best practices or invite some of your partners and in many cases competitors in so they can share theirs so you can get better. I think probably the biggest flaw for what would be a short-term leader would be to think you have the answers to everything or think you know how to deliver the best possible experience to your customers. So it's definitely our partnership philosophy came from a couple of simple areas. Number one, I'll just go back to consumer advocacy. If you want to make the experience the best possible, you better listen to your customer and you better listen and learn from your competitors. 
right? So, so it's actually a very simple philosophy, but when either, you know, and I laugh because I was, you used the word heresy. I was called by someone at my own company, a heretic by showing up on that stage with Bob Lord to talk about programmatic. And the whole idea back then was that NBC Universal was open to the idea of programmatically opening up our inventory for customers to purchase with speed and precision. And back then, NBC Universal wasn't able to do that on our own. And the, the idea or the notion was to join hands with AOL to do so. I'm going to say something that goes to how secure you are, but how secure NBC Universal is in its position. And I'm going to make this personal. Years ago, someone said to me, Michael, you're so open with your relationships. You always are connecting this person to that person, introducing Sally to Johnny and Johnny to Billy. And he came from a, a world he was in the talent agency business before, and he came from a world where people were like this with their relationships. Like, oh, no, no, yeah. I need yes. to control. And I said to him, you got to be clear on something. I'm very secure in the basis of the relationships that I have. So I'm not worried that if I introduce Linda to Joe, that Linda's not going to be my friend anymore and she's going to become Joe's friend. I'm not worried about that because I know the basis of the relationship that I have with Linda is secure. In your case, you know that the basis of what you're bringing to market is secure. Therefore, you're not as worried about the other guy or the other gal because we can do this better together. I mean, it really is. I know that sounds like a bumper sticker, but it's just it's a tribute to you. But it's also a tribute to the confidence that you have in what you're doing, that it's not going to take your eye off the ball to have somebody who is, you know, in air quotes, a competitor I think that says a lot to the value of the platform or the platforms that you represent. Well, it, it certainly does. Look, I am not naive to ever forget any moment that I work for not only the largest premium content company in the country, but that we get to represent a diversity of assets that are literally driving culture and are driving the conversation. If you're tweeting about something, it's likely in one way, shape or form, you are connected to that content, whether it is, you know, political in nature, whether it is what the cold open for Saturday Night Live was, or it was, oh my gosh, did you just see this play on Sunday Night Football? You're likely interacting with NBCU content. So it's not lost on me, literally pinch me moments almost every single day about kind of the perch that I get to take a look at content all across our country, all across every screen, English language, Spanish language. I mean, it's it's truly is, quite frankly, an embarrassment of riches. That said, you get your confidence from the belief and the conviction in that product that you have. Therefore, you're in a position to go seek out partnerships with the right people that are carefully chosen. If you look at what the trade desk is doing in the connected TV space, it would be no surprise to you 
that we've chosen that preferred partner very, very carefully, or that we're just entering, right, a new phase of a global partnership with Twitter. So we take those partnerships very seriously, but you're right, it stems from the confidence in the content that we have in our deep, deep belief of an open marketplace that benefits the consumer. And that's what drives every decision that we make. It seems like our industry has turned on a series of words that all begin with the letter T. Transparency, technology, talent, trust. We're in a world right now where data and privacy and all the issues are front and center. And trust, as it is in personal relationships, is equally, if not more important in business to business relationships. And particularly when it comes to how companies are handling data and the information, because we live in a world where everybody knows everything about everybody. And it's such an incredibly important moment. And with what you're doing with one platform, trust is kind of at the center of it. Can you talk about that a little? Trust has always been and is the cornerstone of every good relationship, right? But also at the epicenter of our company for so many years and so many decades, and particularly coming out of the pandemic, is that people, so many people came to us because they trusted that we would connect them with the important information they needed. That when they needed a break and they wanted to just connect in a way where they were being entertained, they came to us for entertainment too. So we learned more than ever that the brands so vast of NBC Universal, but at the core of the relationship that we have with consumers is trust. And, and you know, that is an incredibly difficult thing to build and one of the easiest things to lose in a nanosecond. That confidence or the strength of the ground of it underneath your feet can be gone. So we take it really, really seriously. I look back to when we were in that moment 20 years ago of that dot-com bust. We had a file cabinet that says, these are the people who think you can build a brand in 30 days. 20 years ago, I thought that was impossible. Today, it's probably not impossible. But what has gotten more intense is the possibility that you could destroy a brand in 30 seconds. That is absolutely correct. So everything that you're talking about, whether it starts with trust or then it's technology, transparency, talent, and maybe some T words that I forgot, but it's actually the maturation and sophistication of technology that's forcing all of this, you know, kind of to collide. And you have some media and technology companies that could potentially get caught in the crosshairs of that. And it actually, in turn, makes the consumer extremely vulnerable, whether it is from misinformation to hate speech to just quite frankly, subpar content. The consumer is the one who's on the line and who's vulnerable. And that's what you have to protect all day, every day, because it also just heightens my confidence or my enthusiasm to talk to any global marketer. Because many people talk to me, Linda, how do you feel about trust? How do you feel about 
you know, consumer protection and I, and how do you deal with it every day? My answer surprised them a lot. And I say, I don't have to deal with it any day because we don't have that trust issue. If you have a partnership with NBC Universal from a marketing perspective, you know where your creative is going to air next to our content. You know, none of it's ever a surprise. There isn't a surprise piece of content that ever goes on any of our platforms or on any of our network. You know, I'm doing air quotes on a podcast, but on our air. So there's a confidence and a confident security blanket wrapped around every single deal that we do with a marketer. And it's actually quite liberating when we have that conversation because the worry of trust comes off the table. And for us, that's something that we don't take for granted because we keep investing in those capabilities and those relationships every day. I had a conversation the other day with a a large marketer who talked about the other C word with content, which is commerce. The collision of content and commerce shouldn't be a new idea. I think we were always creating at least marketing messages to create commerce. You weren't doing it to feel good. You did it so you could sell stuff, products or services or goods or what have you from a marketing perspective. But now that marriage is front and center of content and commerce because it's not only I want to drive you to the store, I want to send you a message that makes you go to the store to buy the product or makes you go to redeem the service. Now I want you to do it within the content. Now I want you to do it as we're having the experience. Now I want you to bring content and commerce together. It's such an important part of the exchange now because we all live in a world where instant gratification isn't quick enough. So I want it now. I want to be able to buy it as I'm experiencing it. And that is such, I think, an important extension of what you do because you have to have that end-to-end solution now for your marketing partners. It's not just the point solution anymore. It's content leads to commerce and we can complete the commerce in one circle. You know, this is probably one of the most exciting growth areas of our company. And believe it or not, us investigating, developing this type of technology and capability started a couple of years ago. And I was actually in London doing a speech and I stayed for the conference and a whole presentation was given on the intersection of content and commerce and how it had become commonplace in Asia. And I became infatuated with the idea of accelerating efforts and capabilities in the US, but of course, at NBC Universal that brought together content, connection, and commerce, right? So we've been working on this a while. And who better to partner with to bring this out to the marketplace than Instagram? Because think about it. This is a demonstration or a continuation of our conversation about partnerships. Choose the right partner that can enhance the experience for the consumer but who's better at that particular thing than you are, right? So when we've been working with Instagram for a while to uniquely bring this marketplace to our customers, we have the content for them that could drive a heightened participation in the technology they have on each of our platforms. So think about the Instagram platform 
Think about the linear and digital video platforms that NBC Universal has driven by the content all across the board. So there's a diversity of content you can't even imagine, but then you add that shoppable piece to it. And we're actually just pushing the entire marketplace forward really, really quickly. And we're very excited. I mean, already, I think the announcement is only a couple of weeks old since 121. And we've developed a network of retail partners that is exceeding 100 retail businesses that can leverage our platform and our content to directly get to their consumer. And imagine how important this is. And this is what gets me real excited if you couldn't tell is that think about how brick and mortar businesses or those sales doors for our clients are closing, but we're actually opening up new doors for them to reach their consumer directly. So I think while we are certainly in early days, we are so bullish and so excited about what's to come from these new new doors that we're opening, not only for our marketers. So think about small business benefit to large scale advertisers to deal directly with consumers. Linda, you were early in identifying some of the leaders in the direct-to-consumer marketplace. I remember having at a dinner at one of the NBC Innovation Days, and my friend John Foley showed up, and, and I thought, smart. You know, this guy has has got the right idea, and you saw it early on. John Foley, for our listeners, is the founder of Peloton, but you saw it early, and you also understood when we at MediaLink, and I'm I know you've heard me say this before, but I'm in the midst of trademarking a word, and that word is brandformance, because I think the the marriage, just like content and commerce, the marriage of brand marketing and performance marketing is happening before our very eyes. And the only difference really between the two ever was the utilization of data and a closed loop in some way. And you're experiencing it yourself as a marketer. With Peacock, you've now gone from NBC's primary marketing spend over the years would be around movies and television. When we talk about what you need to do in a subscriber acquisition world, it's kind of a different marketing muscle. You are always in that position in your perch as chairman. You're a buyer and a seller. That brand formance mentality, are you seeing it played out by the agencies and the clients and understanding that marriage of the two? It's a great question. I'm going to brand formance. Did I say that right? You did. Okay. So what I would translate. So if you're going to get it trademarked, trademarked, then we'll also get it in either the dictionary or Wikipedia, one or the other. And I think the definition or used in a sentence is exactly one of the ways I would describe the need for the marketplace for 121. And that is a full funnel experience for a marketer that is completed or born out of the intersection of media and technology. You were talking about Foley and you're talking about Peloton. You have this need for this brand building, right? The power of the brand. What do you stand for from a purpose perspective? What are you? What do you do? But you also have to see the return on your ad spend and say, how do I perform? I got to keep this marketing machine going. And you know what we're seeing with that, the need through, throughout the whole company is really demonstrated by a company like NBC Universal because the more sophisticated that data and technology 
gets for a massive content company like NBC Universal, that's when you can offer the full funnel opportunity for a marketer that closes that loop. At the end to end. You know, yes. our, our friend Wendy Clark said to me years ago, so many people come and try to pitch me on point solutions. I'm really looking for those end to end solutions. And right. it was and in a different context, but that's where we are now. Yeah. And that's why it's really important that I, I'm hoping more people develop a philosophy like we have of partnerships. And I'll give you like a really good example, because you can't do end to end alone, no matter who you are. You may have an end-to-end solution or closed-loop attribution for your particular communication plan or buy that you did for an advertiser, but there is not one company in the ad-supported ecosystem that can give every marketer what they need because the consumer doesn't act that way, right? So the consumer is not monogamous. They are all over the place consuming all different kinds of media from all different kinds of companies. So you got to work with other people to offer the strongest and best opportunity. I'll give you an example. This may be really provocative and you and I never talked about this and I may keep my title of chief heretic in charge at NBC (laughs) Universal. We just recently submitted on a very large blue chip advertiser RFP. Right. And as our team was reading the brief, and it was for the launch of a brand new product that was going to be a nationwide product, a US launch, but also need very uh, specific local market additions. But the key thing about it was that there were certain things that were very important to this brand launch that NBC Universal could not bring the scale that we would like to the response to this RFP. So what did we do? We went out and we pitched a social media platform to partner with us in responding to the pitch. And we went to an audio platform partner to respond to the pitch. And we went in together as three. Not one NBC Universal who's the biggest premium content company in the world, but we wanted to go back to them with ideas that we could activate using our talent and using the scale of our content, but that would enable consumers to get it on any platform on their terms. Well, I can tell you that it blew the advertiser away. I wish I could tell you a success story that we closed the deal, but they're still considering it. But that was just a couple of weeks ago. So imagine that responding to an RFP with other companies in addition to your own. But that goes back to what I said earlier, Linda, you're secure in what you bring. And so it doesn't diminish what you bring. It's an enhancement because it's the power of collaboration in its best form. So Linda, there's a couple of things that are so topical right now. And I'm going to tell you the three topics I want to kind of jump to, and I'll do it in whichever order feels right. Number one is the Olympics. Just want to understand what, what it's going to look like to the degree you can share. Number two, we have something coming up here in the market called the upfronts. And I know people want a sense of what the market looks like and what you see and, and the opportunities. And then, you know, finally, something on how we work. 
the future of work and how we do what we do. As I said to somebody the other day, I'm anxious to go back to most of what I used to do, but I just like to do it in sweats. Michael, we might be the same in that area, except you know me. I'll be in sweats, but I will have heels on. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) You know, let's start with the Olympics, Linda. It's one of the most important things in the world, especially now, because at least in principle, it helps bring the world together. And God knows this world needs to be a bit more together on so many different aspects, but it's going to be different, right? And you've had to wait an extra year and the pent talk about pent up demand. So I'm going to let you riff. I mean, what do we have in store? What what are we going to see? What's going to get us well, excited? Um, NBC Universal has the Olympics until at least 2032. So I might be able to riff until then. There you go. So I'll try to give you the top of the top because I get chills when I just think about how close the Olympics are. And there's some deep, deep meaning or master plan about having the Olympics have to wait a year when the world is coming out of and on the cusp of a healing from the global pandemic. And the Olympics will certainly be the signature event that will bring the world together for the first time since all of this shook us all to our core. So the global coming together of the most galvanizing event in the celebration of sport is hard to even wrap your head around because to cheer for your team, to cheer for your country, to hear your national anthem playing while your athlete is on the podium, there's no surrogate for that. And the Olympics has always been an equalizer, a celebration of sport, the best of the best. And for everyone in this world to have had to wait for a year for it to happen just escalates and elevates the emotion as all of us, the world will be cheering for these athletes to finally get their moment, which many times comes to a fraction of a second that pays off a lifetime of training. So we couldn't be more excited. We couldn't be more grateful to be the company that's able to bring that type of event to the people of the United States in just sheer and utter celebration. Well, Linda, I too am excited because I do think sport is at the center of that. And the Olympics is the quintessential expression. So I know there's a lot of bated breath, and, and that includes mine, uh, waiting for the summer. And, and I know it's going to be exciting, and I'm certain the execution will be NBC flawless. That's a hashtag, I guess, and I'm certain it will be. Linda, the second thing I mentioned was the upfronts. So we're on the verge of another year of a different kind of an upfront. Don't know that we're going to be in person. Don't know we get to see you standing up on the stage at Radio City a staple for all of us and another year of that not actually happening, at least in person. But that's not the important part, although that is always a fun part and a meaningful part because the interaction does matter. And that maybe goes into the next question about the future of how we work. But talk about the upfront at the level that you can in terms of what you're seeing and hearing. It's an interesting year 
coming off of last year, which was no one knew what the future will bring. The sense of optimism is overwhelming right now for where we're all going to land. And we're all excited because we want to support our customers and help grow their businesses because consumer behavior has shifted. It's changed forever. And their experiences have accelerated. So we're actually entering the upfront in a very, very different way. Whether we were hoping to be physically together on a stage like Radio City, I'll miss that. This year, it'll be a little virtual. But the upfront experience this year will absolutely reflect consumer needs. And then we will map that to our clients' needs, which is really just offering our content across every screen simultaneously. So gone are the days of having negotiations by network or day part. And it is all about the one platform opportunities for NBC Universal. I think what is really important to talk about is the opportunity that Comcast, NBC Universal, and Sky gives NBC Universal, and why we're so excited to have these talks with marketers is because we have a very interesting and broad horizontal view of consumer behavior, right? So we'll start with English language and Spanish language, but it's across every screen. So linear, digital, and now streaming with Peacock, we interact with over 615 million people globally, right? And when you're able to talk to customers about the knowledge of data and behavior from consumers that spend 85 billion hours with us across the globe, you're able to have a very specific conversation because you'll be able to be an information provider of how to connect the best audiences to marketers to drive sales. And that's what the upfront is really about. It's a futures market of how a client, a company like NBC Universal can talk to global marketers about driving their product sales in the future. So uh, we're in a very unique position to be able to go to our customers at such scale with, with content, data, and technology, and now demonstrated in streaming Peacock. So Linda, last year, you and I chatted a lot in the spring because we were dealing with all the industry issues around what was it going to look like last year in the midst of the, in the early part of the pandemic. You won massive kudos from the industry for this and well-deserved. The two words that were so important last year were flexibility and uncertainty. Marketers were uncertain and ergo publishers and, and sellers have to allow for flexibility. Are you seeing that same need for flexibility this year or are people more confident in the bets they're going to place? Well, I think we're absolutely seeing more optimism. That's for sure. So the optimism is there. I think actually the need for marketer flexibility is here to stay. And quite frankly, that's what one platform is all about. When you're a company like NBC Universal and you have the diversity of content and the diversity of product offering, flexibility is something we can talk about with our clients. So if you're a customer who has true product rollout that is massive reach, 
and immediacy needs, and you invest in linear in a very big way. And somehow in the midst of the cycle, you want to move to a more specific advanced advertising message that's more performance driven, that you need certain deliverables or KPIs. You should be able to not only move from national to local or local to digital or change your mix distribution. You should be able to do that as a marketer. You need to be able to do that. So those are conversations that we're lucky at NBC Universal. Not only do we have the diversity of assets, right? But we have the capability and functionality to deliver on all those key flexibility needs. But the difference is, is that you're, it's all of that data and technology is powered by premium content. So if you need flexibility and you need to be in a more performance marketing realm, you don't have to trade off to less premium content world that the tech platforms generally have to offer. We're lucky to be in the position that we're in to offer this flexibility, but still reach audiences at scale. Here's the thing. I'm going to do two things as we wrap. Number one, the vaunted Peacock logo, the colors of the rainbow that represent NBC to the world, really also describe the veritable cornucopia of opportunities that you offer to a marketer, because you can have it in blue, you can have it in red, you can have it in yellow, the various colors, it really comes together with what you're talking about. So I think Peacock, the logo, and Peacock, the brand, and Peacock, that beautiful picture that represents NBC, I think it says, speaks volumes to to what you just said. So good on that and good on you. I'm going to do two things to wrap for us here. What's your take on what our office work balance, home work, what do you think it looks like a year from now? Do you think we're all still, I mean, hopefully we have the optionality to be all back in one place and back in 30 Rock or whatever it may be, but do you think that happens? Well, I think your F word, which I think you normally don't try to put in a podcast, but the F word of flexibility, I think is here to stay in terms of the future of work. You know, it's, it's really, believe it or not, one of the most exciting uh, things I've been working on even before the pandemic, because I do a lot of work with the World Economic Forum and the interest in building cultures and team culture has always been a passion of mine. And the future of work, particularly, I think all of us experience driven by COVID is that flexibility is the number one necessary thing. And we've all learned unfortunately, by a forcing mechanism of lockdown, that we can work virtually. And that's going to be necessary. We're all developing the plans to customize or tailor those opportunities or choices to all of our employees. But I would be remiss to point out, and you've heard me say this many, many times, you know, an algorithm is great for determining how to perfectly place an ad next to a right audience that a piece of content may deliver. But an algorithm cannot replace art. An algorithm could have never made This Is Us. An algorithm can't recreate Simone Biles winning her next gold medal. So when you say the, to go to the future of work and where the heck is she going with that, there is no surrogate for human interaction. So the need for us to get back into a collaborative work environment 
is going to grow over time. And quite frankly, that human interaction by diverse groups of people is where innovation is born. So I'm a big advocate of getting back to the office, but in the right way. And probably always a mix of people being virtual from home or at other workspaces around the world, but always pushing for some human interaction because the intersection of all those things is where the companies of the future are going to be able to lead. There you go. So Linda, a great place to end, but it wouldn't be Michael Casson and Linda Yaccarino if I didn't put in one plug, but this is the best kind of a plug. So one of the shows that I'm thinking you're going to be featuring in this coming up front is a show called Ordinary Joe. And the producer of that show is Adam Casson. So, <laughs> I think I've heard his name before. There you go. So this is my shameless plug, shameless promotion. I want all the advertisers who are putting their money down with NBC, and I hope it's a lot and many. Ordinary Joe, the show to watch. Well, I will follow that up with Ordinary Joe, a show to watch. You'll have to hear about it. Make sure you tune in. Linda Yaccarino, from my heart, you know how much I treasure our friendship and how I believe this industry treasures you as a leader and as a voice that matters. Well, I couldn't ask for a better partner in you. And thank you so much for having me. I'm Michael Casson. Thanks for listening to Good Company. Good Company is a production of iHeartRadio. A special thanks to Lena Peterson, Chief Brand Officer and Managing Director of MediaLink, for her vision on Good Company. And to Jen Seeley, Vice President, Marketing Communications of MediaLink, for programming amazing talent and content. Good Company is edited by Jessica Kreinchich. 